You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Second Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to start in, uh, we'll start in verse number one, uh, just to give you a little bit of context here. Um, we're going to spend most of our time in verse number five here tonight uh, as we uh, look at this passage of scripture. I've entitled tonight's message, Freedom Through Captivity. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number one. Now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that you be not that I may not be bold when I'm present, that with confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which I think of us as we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Verse number five is where we're going to spend our time tonight. We're going to talk, take a look at really how our thinking affects our heart, which affects our actions and the way that we uh, function in life, really. The Bible speaks so much about our heart. The Bible speaks so much about our mind and the thoughts that we think, and it gives us clear guidelines as how that should function and how that uh, interacts with the rest of our life as well. Proverbs 23, 7, uh, the first part of that verse says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That the way that we think affects truly who we are. The thoughts that we have affect every part of our being, affect our interaction with other people, affect the way that we uh, think about ourselves, the way that we think about other people as well. Uh, turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter four, if you would, probably a few pages forward in your Bible. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 6. It says, be careful. That word careful means worry. Don't worry for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So don't worry about anything, but pray instead with thanksgiving. So really, prayer plus praise equals peace, verse number seven says. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Verse number uh, seven, where it says, keep your hearts and mind. The idea is that they are arrested by it. Now, taken into captivity. Your thoughts and your mind and your heart will be arrested by Jesus Christ, and he will keep you in peace. Uh, the Bible says perfect peace uh, they have, which mind are stayed upon God. And so if we keep our thoughts fixed upon the things of God, then we'll have great peace. And if we allow Jesus Christ to arrest our hearts and our minds, that he'll give us the peace that we greatly desire. Verse number eight is a verse that you should circle, start, underline, commit to memory in your Bible. This tells you what your mind should think on. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. If I were you, I would just underline these words as we go through true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. 
So we can even apply this to our daily life. Should I think about the fact that there was uh, a hurricane hurtling towards us and my life is gonna end and everything's gonna flood and everything that I care about will be taken away? Is that helpful for me? Not according to the Bible. The Bible says that I should pray and thank God that he's faithful and have great peace from there. And I should think on the good things. I should think on the lovely things. I should think on the things of how God has been faithful to me. That's where my mind should dwell on. And I want my mind and my heart to be drawn towards the things that cause me to have more faith in God, not more doubt in God. As we look at this uh, passage of scripture, before we jump into it, it's important to understand uh, several things about our heart. First of all, what comes in my eyes and my ears goes to my mind. Your eyes and ears are a gateway to your mind and what takes place in the thoughts that you have. You have thoughts in your, in your head and feelings in your heart based on what we perceive uh, around us, the things that we hear, uh, the things that we see. And so we should take great care for the things that we allow in our eyes and in our ears. For example, uh, I'll just share an example with you guys. Uh, I used to listen to a lot of talk radio uh, back in the day. I love to hear like politics and what's going on in the world and stuff like that. And I used to listen to Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity. And uh, I used to listen to Neil Cavuto talk about the economy and stuff like that. I watched a lot of Fox News. If I was really wanting to get mad, I watched a little bit of CNN too. And I'd yell at the TV and stuff. And you know what I found? I found myself to be an increasingly angry person. I was mad at healthcare, I was mad at welfare, I was mad at employers, I was mad at, you know, the social security, I was mad at Democrats and Republicans and independents in the middle. I hated the president, I hated the governor, I hated everybody who held an office because they were the problem. You know what I found? I was a very angry person towards everybody because what I was putting in my mind was negativity how broken things are and how messed up everything is in the world and how awful it is and how these people that are supposed to be protecting us and looking out for us are just trying to get over on us. And I began to develop a very negative mindset and it bled over to everything in my life. And I decided to just stop altogether. I skim like news headlines now. I don't, even, I don't read the paper I don't listen to stuff on the internet. Uh, I I had to, to on purpose, go and find information about the storm that was coming because I didn't want to allow negativity to impact me. Also, uh, during this whole storm thing, it drove my wife bananas. I listened to the, the weather forecast once a day. That was it. Because every 30 minutes, something was changing. It's headed our path. It's gonna be a direct hit. It's gonna be totally missed us. It's 300 miles south. Now it's 280 miles south. Uh, it's moving at five miles an hour. Now it's moving at 50. And it's just like, what do you do? You can't live like that. Because what goes in our eyes and our ears eventually goes to our mind and it affects our thinking. So I need to be careful about what I allow, allow in my eyes and ears. What this means is I need to take great care to the music that I listen to the television shows that I watch, the movies that I watch, the people that I surround myself with, what I deem as acceptable versus unacceptable around me. This is gonna be something as, 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 as important as the type of news articles that I read. Man, once upon a time, I was reading a, a news website and every single, every single article was about a murder, a stabbing, or something. I thought to myself, I can't, I can't read this stuff to see what people do to children. I can't read that kind of stuff. I don't need that negativity in my life. Hey, I don't have to read the newspaper to know that the human heart is depraved. I don't have to to skim news headlines to know that people are sick and disgusting. I don't have to read that. 
I want to be encouraged. I want to be built up. I want things that will lift my spirits, not tear me down. Those are the types of things the Bible says I need to let into my mind. I need encouraging friends. I don't need discouraging friends. And hey, let me tell you this, discouraging friends are a dime a dozen. But if you find a friend that puts wind in your sails, hang on to that friend. That's something good to hang on to. I need to read things that will encourage me. I need to read books that will help me to be a better man, better husband, better father, better pastor, better Christian. I wanna be in the word of God every single day so that I can be challenged from the word to be a better man. I wanna learn from the mistakes of other people. I said this morning, and this morning, I'm reading through 2 Samuel, and I read through the story of David and Bathsheba, and I thought to myself, David, you're an idiot, man. You had everything that you've ever wanted, and you still sinned against God. I don't wanna be that guy. And I was encouraged by David's repentance. You read through Psalm 51, you see what repentance really looks like after he'd sinned with Bathsheba. But I wanna be encouraged by the word of God. I wanna be encouraged by good Bible preaching. And for me, I listen to podcasts every single week of good Bible preaching because I don't get to sit in a, in a service like you do and listen to Bible preaching. I love to hear God's word preach. I wanna be encouraged by that. I wanna spend time with other Christians. Uh, I like grabbing lunch or grabbing coffee with some folks and, and just talking about how good God's been and being encouraged by that. I need that, you need that. Went a men's hike a couple of weeks ago and the idea of the hike wasn't to see who could get to the top the fastest or who was in the best shape uh, who, or anything like that. The whole idea was dudes together just being dudes. We're talking about dude stuff. And I thoroughly was encouraged by my time of fellowship with the other guys on the trail. I was slow. I'm fat, I'm out of shape, I'm old, but I had a good time because I was with other dudes just being dudes. I need that. You need that. Because there's enough negativity in the world without allowing that into our mind because what goes into my mind will go to my heart. Every single time. Words that come into our minds, thoughts that come into our minds, find a lodging place in our heart. This is where things get really, really uh, ugly. Because everything that goes to my heart will come out in one way or another. Hey, you got thoughts lodged down deep in your heart? Just know this, it's only a matter of time before those things come out. Only a matter of time. You see, oftentimes trials in our life will show us for who we truly are. It's interesting as we, they began to talk about, you know, preparing for the, the storm that was coming, make sure you got plenty of water and things like that. One of the things that kept coming up again and again was looting. Be careful, watch out for looters. Uh, make sure that you, you know, if you have things that are important, that you board your, uh, your windows up. And why? why? Because when trials come, it reveals the worst in us, not the best. Will there be people with coolers full of bottled water on the sidewalk, handing them out? No doubt, I'm sure. Will there be more people that are looking to get over on the system? Why? Because the human heart is wicked. Because what goes into our mind goes to our heart. It comes out eventually in one form or another. It's always interesting talking to people uh, and uh, telling them that I'm a pastor. Uh, if you want to ever kill a conversation and get out of a conversation very quickly, just tell people you're a pastor. Nobody wants to talk to you after that, okay? The, the least uh, fun thing to tell people. Uh, my wife even tells people sometimes that I'm a motivational speaker so that they won't uh, ostracize her as well, you know? What's your husband do? He's a motivational speaker. I guess that's kind of true. I try to motivate people to follow Jesus, and so I guess that's uh, partially true. Uh, but uh, sometimes when I tell people I'm a pastor, uh, and they'll, through the course of the conversation, they'll let a curse word drop, and they'll go, oh, 
Sorry about that, Pastor. I don't know where that came from. Oh, I know where it came from. It came from your heart. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart is going to eventually come out. If I were to line up every single person in our church here and you're gonna put your hand on a table, I'm gonna smash your thumb with a hammer. What's the first word that's gonna come out of your mouth? That's what's in your heart. Oh, snaps. Is that gonna be the first word that comes out? I don't know. But you know what? I know this, the things that you tolerate to allow to go into your mind will go to your heart and it's eventually gonna come out. Words you would think you would never say, thoughts you would think that you would never act upon, those are gonna come out if they find a lodging place in your heart. That's why the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Protect your heart. Protect it. Hey, we protect things that are important to us. We lock our front doors. Why? Because we don't want our stuff to get stolen. Hey, we lock our cars because we don't want anybody to break into our car. But many times we leave our minds and our hearts wide open. Can't afford it. Got to protect it because out of that are the issues of life. What takes place in my heart. And what goes to my heart changes my thoughts, my words, my actions. Every person who's ever been involved in an adulterous relationship first had a thought in their mind that they allowed to go to their heart that came out in their actions. Every angry or bitter word that you've ever said in your entire life started off with a thought that you had in your brain that went to your heart that came out in your words that you said. Every sin of your life had a, a, a lodging place in your heart first and foremost. That's why the Bible says protect it. Hey, parents, you want your kids to have good deeds and a righteous living? You know what you gotta do? You gotta make sure what's going into their heart is the good stuff. I've gotta protect my kids' hearts. Husbands, you know what you need to do? You need to protect your wives' hearts. That's my responsibility as the, of the home as a protector, provider for the family. It's like God-given man responsibility. We sometimes think of like protection as uh, the dude that when something goes bump in the night, I'm the guy that gets the stick out and makes sure that it doesn't bump again, right? That's, that's part of my job, and I thoroughly enjoy that part. I really do. But you know, many times, my job is to protect what my kids are watching on TV. My job is to protect what type of people my wife is spending a lot of time with. Part of my job is to protect my family's hearts. That's my responsibility. But I can't protect my family's heart if I'm not protecting my own. I've got to take care of myself first and foremost. Because this affects every area of my life. As we take a look back at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. First thing we have to do is we have to cast down imagination because this guards us against worry. We sometimes tell our kids to be creative, to use their imagination. Dad, I'm bored. Just use your imagination. Do something exciting. And that's a good thing to tell kids to use their imagination. The problem comes when our imaginations go to a place that is not spiritually healthy. When I begin to think things in my brain that are not so, that cause me to question God's goodness, to question God's boundaries that he gives me to live by, to question God's rules and responsibilities that he has for me, and I begin to imagine things that don't bring honor and glory to God. And then I begin to worry. 
Doubt is the opposite of faith. Worry is the opposite of faith. And God wants us to live faith-filled lives. And when I worry, when I'm anxious, when I'm concerned over things that God tells me not to worry about, that is in direct opposition to the thing that pleases God. Faith pleases God. The Bible says in, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And worry is the opposite of faith. I can't allow my, my mind to go places where I imagine things that cause me to doubt God and doubt his goodness, doubt his promises. But you see, our faith is strengthened by meditation on the truth. The more that I meditate on capital T truth, and when I speak of that, I'm speaking of the Bible, the more my faith will be strengthened. Hey, are you worried? Are you anxious? Find a Bible verse that is true and meditate on that instead. Hey, are you struggling with believing that God's good? How about you get a journal and write out all the things you can think of, the, of times that God has shown you that he's good? I'm a horrible journal writer, I really am. I try to journal all the time and it just doesn't work. I've got probably at least a dozen journals in my office with like one or two pages filled out. There's just something daunting about taking a beautiful, pristine, white journal that the pages still crack when you open it and just writing something in it. It just feels like weird and now it's a commitment that I've made to this book. It's hard. Some of you laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want a journal, but you just can't. It just can't. It's funny, my first day of journaling, I usually get like a half a page in. My second day of journaling, I usually get a, a paragraph in. My third day of journaling, I get like two sentences in. My fourth day of journaling, is usually blank from then on out. I'm just not good at it. But you know what I started doing uh, a couple of years ago? I started taking pictures with my phone. When I'd see God do something, I would take a picture. Uh, the other, other night, I saw all my kids sitting on the couch together, and they were playing with the dog, and I stopped, and I took a picture because I want to remember that moment with all my kids together playing with their dog in the house. I want to remember that moment where all of my kids got along. <laughs> that one moment in time where everyone was happy because it's probably never going to happen again. I just want to remember that. But there's been times where uh, Angela and I have been walking. We watched the sunset and we took, stopped and took a picture. Why? Because I want to remember this moment. I want to remember how good God's been. And I only have to flip through my camera roll to think on the good things that God's done for me. And you know, faith is strengthened when we can meditate on the truth of the word of God and remember how good God's been. Next, being strong in the word allows me to identify ideology, that's the word I'm looking for, ideology opposed to the Bible. For those of you that have to write down every single word that's on the slides, I'll give you a minute to write this. It's a long one. But here's the thing. The more that you know about the Bible, the more that you know of God's word, the stronger your stand will be against the fake stuff. Does that make sense? The more that you know the Bible, the more you will be to, able to understand false teaching and things that are contrary to the word of God. Again, if we take a look at uh, verse number five here, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Think about this for a minute. The word exalt means to be to rise up against if there's some knowledge out there that is rising up against the knowledge of God, it's in direct opposition to God's word, we can automatically call that false thoughts, 
false ideology, false teaching, false, 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 fake, 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 counterfeit, counterfeit, counterfeit. It's not the real stuff, but it's rising up against God's truth as if it is. Think back in your mind to what you know about the Bible. Was there ever a person who rose up against God, who tried to exalt himself against God and his power? The answer to that is yes, and his name was Satan. Any lie that we find in the Bible or any lie that we find in life are satanic in origin. All lies, all lies are satanic in origin. You say, that's a pretty heavy statement. I didn't say it. John 8, Jesus said this, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He, speaking of the devil, is a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, means he speaks in his native language. For he is a liar and the father of it. If the devil is the father of all lies, then any lie is satanic in origin. This is going to be heavy for some of you, and I'm just going to say it anyways. If there is a religion that is a false religion, that is built on lies, then who is the author of that false religion? Satan, right? It's going to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? All false religion is satanic in origin. It's heavy. That's a heavy one. All false religion is satanic in origin. Hey, think about it this way. Who would want to create a religion that would take the focus off of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross? and put it upon what you can do, how you can perform, and how good you are. Who would take the focus off of Jesus and put it on you and how good you are? God wouldn't want that. The Holy Spirit wouldn't want that. Jesus wouldn't want that. But maybe Satan would. Because truthfully, salvation is not about how good you are. It's about how great Jesus is. It's about the finished work of the cross. Hey, who would make a religion where we take the focus off of Jesus and put it on someone or something else. Satan, bottom line, false religion is satanic in origin. But let me tell you this, we don't have to go to false religion to find satanic lies, we just have to look at our society today. More money makes you happy. The more stuff you can can accomplish will make you more prestigious and make you more happy. That is the thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because let me just tell you this, the more you have, the more problems you will have. And money is not the answer to everything. The Bible says it's actually the love of money is the root of all evil. So you wanna get rich, just get get ready for a life of trouble if that's your goal, to get rich. The Bible says the man who, in the book of Proverbs, says the man that has a will to get rich falls into a snare or a trap. Hey, it's a trap if you're trying to get rich. Just know that, and you will get caught. I guarantee you that. How about this idea that you need to be uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise to be blessed of God? Again, that's a thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Hey, our society is full of lies that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And you know what the Bible says we have to do? These thoughts that rise up against the knowledge of God, we need to cast them down. We need to cut those lies where they stand. Subscribing to the world's belief system only takes me further from where God wants me to be. 
Subscribing to the world's belief system only takes me further from where God wants me to be. Hey, if you want to be accepted, if you want to be loved by the world, know this, you're nowhere close to where God wants you to be. You know why Jesus said this? If they hate you, know that you're in good company because they hated me first. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. It doesn't mean your, your life goal is to be hated by everybody to show how spiritual you are. Hey, I've known Christians before that their coworkers hated their guts, not because they were so Christ-like, but because they were jerks. I've met Christians before who I don't even like them. I'm your brother in Christ and I don't wanna be around you because you're a jerk. That's not being Christ-like, that's just being ugly. But if my goal is to be loved by the world or accepted by the world, that's not gonna help me to be more like Jesus Christ. But the more that I subscribe to the belief system of the Bible, the more I know about God's word, the more that I can quickly identify a lie of the devil, the closer I am to being more like Jesus Christ. Hey, it all comes back to this. Be a student of the word. Know the Bible. Dig in deep. I, I say this all the time. Every Christian should go through, through some form of discipleship where you know the Bible and what you believe and why you believe it. Every Christian should be a student of the Bible, studying God's word until the day they see Jesus face to face. You will never exhaust the wisdom of God's word. But let me just tell you this. The, the pack of lies that this world sells us, you will quickly exhaust the fun that's found there. And you'll find that there's nothing of any lasting substance there. Pursue Jesus Christ. It's the only thing worth pursuing in life. Final thought this evening. Again, we've been talking about the uh, weapons of our warfare are not carnal and how Paul talks about the fact that we are in a war. We're in a fight, good versus evil. It's our job to fight against uh, the devil. As we look at this passage, it's important to understand our goal as soldiers of Jesus is to take captive the thoughts of others and bring them to freedom in Jesus. Again, if we take a look at verse number five, casting down imaginations and every high thing, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I should take the truths of God's word, share them with other people so that they can be set free. To help them to take their thoughts captive to obedience in Jesus Christ. I had a golden opportunity that a friend gave me this past week. Uh, I was sitting in an office with a, a friend of mine and he said, uh, he said, Pastor, I want you to talk to this lady here and invite her to our church. And he walked out of the room. And I was like, hey, you should totally come to our church. And she said, I'm Buddhist. And I said, that's awesome. I go, I, I've never met a practice. I said, are you a practicing Buddhist? She said, I am. And I said, do you like go to the, I said, you guys call it a temple or a church? And she said, well, we call it a church. And I said, do you like go every Sunday? And she goes, yeah, we go every weekend. I go, man, I've never met a practicing Buddhist before. This is fascinating. I said, I've met people who like did yoga and called themselves Buddhist because they got a tattoo that they didn't know what it meant. They called themselves Buddhist. I've never actually met a Buddhist Buddhist before. I said, do you mind if I ask you some questions? She's like, no, not at all. And I said, what happens after you die? And she said, well, we believe that we go, I forget what she called it, it's something like the Golden Shore to be with Buddha. We go to the Golden Shore to be with Buddha. And I go, so do like all Buddhists go there, like regardless of how they live their lives, like all Buddhists? And she goes, I, mm, I don't, I, I guess, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I think so. I said, oh, okay. I said, what happens to me when I die? 
And I go, I'm not a Buddhist. I said, I'm a Christian. What happens to me when I die? And she goes, ah, I, I guess you like go to Christian heaven, I guess. And I said, so there's Golden Shore for Buddhists and there's Christian heaven for Christians? So there's two different places. Ah, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't really know. I, I, I've never thought about that. I said, well, we as Christians believe that there's a heaven and a hell. And if you're a child of God, not if you go to a Christian church, but if you've been, been saved by Jesus, that you get to go to heaven. And those who have not been saved by Jesus, regardless of what they believe or how they believe it, they go, go to hell. And she goes, oh, wow. I said, do you guys have a place of like eternal torment like that? And she goes, um, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I said, oh, okay. I said, what do you believe about Jesus? Who's Jesus? And she goes, well, he, he's, a, he's a good teacher. We would put him on the, the level of, of one of the prophets, uh, but we wouldn't say that he was God or anything like that. He, he's not a deity, but he was just a good teacher. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, uh, so you don't believe that he was the son of God? And she goes, no. I said, we would believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, but he was also the son of God, and he died for the sins of mankind. And she goes, oh. And I said, and everyone who puts their faith in Jesus is a child of God and then gets to go to heaven. And she said, oh, okay. And I said, how? I said, I said, I don't know a lot about Buddhism, but I know that Buddha was a man that became enlightened and then got, went on to be kind of like a deity. And she goes, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And I said, so where did Buddha come from and where did everything come from in, in the world? And she sat there for a minute and she said, I, 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 don't, I don't really know. Well, we as Christians believe that God created everything in six days and he is in charge of everything. Like he's a powerful overall. And she said, well, we don't believe that, that Buddha's like that. And she said, we, uh, we pray to Buddha and we pray with Buddha. And I said, okay. I said, so if I got cancer tomorrow, I said, could I pray and have Buddha heal me? Does Buddha have power like that? And she said, well, I don't, hmm, I don't, I don't really think so. Um, I mean, you could pray. I don't know that he would do anything for you. I said, he said but you, you could pray if you wanted to. And so for us, we believe that God is all-powerful, that God could heal anybody that he wanted to, that God has power because he created everything and he sustains everything, that we have power. And that power God gives to us. And if, he, if God wants to heal me, he can. If God just wants to, to make his name great through my life, he can do that too. But, but at the end of the day, God can do whatever he wants because he's all-powerful. Would you say that Buddha is all-powerful? And she says, eh, not in the way that you describe it. And I go, oh, that's interesting. Huh. And I said, you know, I said, are your, are your, she said that she had kids. And I said, um, you know, are your, are your children Buddhist as well? And she says, no. She said, uh, my, my son's a believer and he's a, he's a Christian. Uh, and so she said, um, I kind of think what's going to happen after we die, you know, where we'll go if we'll be in two different places and things like that. And I said, well, if he's a follower of Jesus and you're a follower of Buddha, you will definitely be in two different places for sure. No doubt about that. And she says, huh. I said, I, I, I said, I'm sorry for all the questions. I said, I'm just genuinely interested. She goes, no, these are all really good questions. And I just tried to share truth with her while at the same time helping her to understand that she didn't have the questions that she thought, or she didn't have the answers that she thought she had to the questions that she had. But here's the bottom line. I want to point people to truth. I wanted her to take her thoughts and bring them into captivity to obedience to Christ. Uh, and you take somebody like that who has grown up in this her whole life. She said, my parents were Buddhist. They took me to the Buddhist temple from the earliest age that I can remember. She's probably not going to change her thoughts on one afternoon with just a few questions, but I wanted to plant some seeds there. I wanted to put some truth in there. 
I want to start taking those thoughts that she had in her mind and bringing them into captivity so that she could put her obedience and faith in Christ. That's the idea behind this passage. We're soldiers for Christ, fighting a war, and we have a weapon at our disposal, and it is the truth. Our weapon is the truth. Truth, capital T, found in God's word. You cannot argue with it. It stands alone. It is the truth. It is the word of God. This is our weapon. And I just tried to share truth. Again, I I wasn't trying to debate. I wasn't trying to start an argument. I was truly interested, trying to find out where her thought process was and, and, and share my faith with her. But you see, to lead others to freedom, we have to ensure that we are free ourselves. It's our job to liberate people from the false teachings of the world. It's our job to liberate people from their lifetime and bondage to sin. It's our job to liberate people from the devil's strongholds. But friend, you gotta make sure that you're free yourself. First of all, you gotta make sure that you're saved. If you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Are you for sure that your sins are forgiven? Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Faith in anything else will not get you there. Faith in yourself or how good of a person you are will not save you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. But not only do I have to be freed from my sin, I have to be freed from wrong thinking as well. If I'm going to help other people liberate themselves from a wrong thinking, I have to make sure that I haven't entangled myself in any wrong thinking either. I need to take stock of my own life. Are there things that I'm thinking that are contrary to the word of God? Is there an area in my life that I don't have full faith in God that he can protect and provide and care for me? Is there an area of my life where it's kind of boarded off that Jesus isn't allowed in there because this is where I do my thing and Jesus's thing is outside of that? If so, I need to check my own heart and I need to make sure that I am free myself. Jesus says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Final thought, only when we submit our thoughts captive to Jesus will we be truly free. I want Jesus to take my mind and my heart and I want him to keep them, capture them. I want my mind and my heart to be fixed upon God to such a degree that I have no appetite for the things of this world. It's amazing to me, the more that I love Jesus, the more I'm committed to his word, the more that I daily run to him, the less of an appetite I have for sin and the things of this world. But I'll tell you, when I'm not walking with Jesus, when I'm not in the word the way that I should be, when my mind and my thoughts are on negative things, whenever there's anger or bitterness in my heart, man, the things that come out of my life are not things that please and honor God. It's very easy to fall back into that way of thinking. (laughs) Man, yesterday, oh my word, uh, I'm just gonna be transparent with you guys. Uh, My phone rang, I was on the phone taking a phone call. Uh, At the same time, my daughter was watching a television show that was far too loud. My dog is the dumbest dog on the planet, in case you've ever wondered, okay? My dog, this is how dumb my dog is. My dog watches TV. And when my dog sees other dogs on TV, she starts barking like they're real dogs, right? This is how dumb my dog is. At the same time, I have a 10-month-old baby that screams and cries every time that something falls or she uh, can't reach something or someone takes the remote away from her. She screams and cries, right? And at the same time, while I'm on the phone, my wife doesn't see that I'm on, see, that's what I'm telling you right there. That's mine. That's mine. Yes. At the same time, while I'm on the phone, the TV's too loud, 
My dog's barking at another dog on the television. My baby's crying. I'm on the phone. I can barely hear. My wife starts trying to talk to me while I'm on the phone, and all of these things are happening. And I said, would you just stop? I'm on the phone. And she was just like, wow. Wow. Okay. And then I took my really super-duper important phone call, right? And then after I hung up, I thought, I'm a jerk. And I said, I'm sorry, I got super frustrated. She was like, it's fine. And I go, no, 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 stop. I want you to know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to raise my voice. I shouldn't have yelled. I was super frustrated. Can we just put the dog down? Like, <laughs> who has a dog that watches TV? I mean, really. And I was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm a jerk. What happened? And my heart got the best of me. My nerves, my frustration, my mind was shot and scatterbrained. And what happened? Man, the flesh took over. Boom, just like that. What should I have done after I put the dog down? Um, I should have been patient. I should have been loving. I should have been kind. You know why? Because that's what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Love thinketh no evil. Man, I, I'm not there yet, but I want to be. How do I do that? Continue being in the Word every single day. Surround myself with Christians that are going the same direction. Limit the things that come in my eyes and my ears to protect my heart and keep my heart with all diligence because out of it come the issues of life. I got to check my heart. I want to encourage you to do the same. Is there anything in your, in your heart, in your mind that you need to confess to God? Maybe a worry that you have that's unsubstantiated. Maybe it's an area of anxiety that you have that you need to confess to God. Is there an area of your life where you subscribe to the world's way of thinking? That you think, if I get X, I'll be happy. Maybe you need to confess that thing that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Is there an imagination that you have that you need to cast down tonight? Is there a thought that you need to take captive to obedience to Jesus Christ? Most important thing, are you here tonight and you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven? You're not 100% sure that heaven's your home. Please don't leave here tonight until you make sure that for 100% sure. But those of us that are Christians this week, would you mega dose on the word of God? I'm not talking about just reading a verse before you walk out the door. One verse is better than zero, I'll give you that. But I'm talking about spending quality time in the word and asking God to change your heart and your mind through his word. He'll do it if, you, if you'll ask. How about finding a person this week that you can share truth with? Someone that you can deliver from their captivity. It might be as simple as passing out an invitation to church or inviting someone to church, giving someone a gospel tract. But I think most of us know somebody who doesn't know Jesus and we can point them in the right direction. Whatever the case is, let me challenge you with this. Final thought. Be led by this book. Be led by this book every single day for the rest of your life. From here on out, this is my guide. Now, I'm going to get off track. I'm going to think things that I shouldn't. I'm going to say things that I shouldn't. But I'm always going to come back to this as my true north, as my guiding principle in life is this book. Make yourself a student of it. But here's the thing. You can't be led by something that you don't know. If you don't know this book, you can't be led by it the way that you should. Make yourself a student of the Word of God and allow it to lead you every single day for the rest of your life.